Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. Hello, everyone, and good morning. An exciting show for you today from Chat Canna. We are so happy that you have joined us. Uh, normally, Veronica is with us every morning at this time, but we're hoping she's going to jump in here at any moment. But we have an exciting uh, show for you from a hemp farmer that is into it in many, many different ways down in the Zumbrota area. And where's that, you say? Well, just go down on southern, uh, south of Minneapolis on Highway 52. And about when you get to the Rochester area, then you'll know you're there. What have we got on the photo there right now? Well, that is the Fright Farm. We're going to find out all about it. Here's our guest today. His name is Ted. Ted, welcome to the show. And uh, it's just the two of us. So it's, uh, you, you know, you're on for 50% instead of 30% here today. So let's uh, let's get chatting and see what's going on today. Welcome to Chat Canna. Well, thanks for having me, John. Um, first of all, a little background. Why are you in this crazy business? Why am I in this crazy business? Well, as you uh, might have saw in that first picture, this all started with a haunted attraction. So we actually had a haunted attraction down in Rochester and it started out of my house. Um, we were using that just to kind of help the community um, get people you know, excited about Halloween. And I did that for three years. Grew to 1,500 people in, a, in two two nights, and then Olmstead County said you need to find a new location. So we moved our location to the History Center of Olmstead County, and we did Fred at the Farm at that location for five years, and then went through three different directors, and just a whole plethora of problems dealing with, I don't know, just not having control because it wasn't my farm, and it was hard to just develop it. So then. We the last year there we paid ten thousand dollars to rent their farm the barn, and we decided you know what if we're going to pay that much money we might as well find our own farm. So that's what we did. We found this farm on Highway Fifty Two, which is very accessible. Um, it's got a great you know great visibility. There's I think there's rated to sixty thousand cars driving by daily, oh, and we started, yeah we started our hunt there and. Um, ran that for, it's now I think our sixth season here. So we've been doing this haunt for 14 years. Um, and it's, but the the whole hemp, hemp development kind of happened in the last three years with the uh, MDA hemp pilot project, but also we've been out here, we've got it nine and a half acres and we were growing pumpkins and we also had a corn maze. And after, you know, doing that corn maze for three years, I was like, I need to find something different. And I looked into, sunflowers which would be beautiful but you only have like a two to three week period for that so yeah, um, yeah. that's not a real long period and then i came across i knew about hemp i knew about industrial hemp but i came across um you know hemp and i kind of researched it and i found that the fiber variety grows 10 feet high and i was like that would be really really cool yeah yeah so that's kind of how we got into the hemp because then i was like well i'm not growing corn this year so three years ago in 2018 we said we're going to grow hemp so we um, contacted margaret at the minnesota department of ag i said hey can we do a hemp maze and she said well yeah that sounds <laughs> well it'll be educational and research because at that point the hemp pilot project was supposed to be for educational and research purposes yep. 
I said, well, we're going to have it educational. There'll be stations out there. People will walk through, they'll learn about the hemp, and they'll get up close and personal with the plant. So she said, yeah, she had to kind of check because she was worried, you know, what if people take, I don't know, contraband. They take flour out of the out of the field. Sure. Um, so she was kind of concerned, um, but came back, said, no, it's all good. It's proved. And then um, I went with Legacy Hemp out of Wisconsin, and they actually donated seed the first year for art. Wow, so nice. Yep. So we had about a three and a half to four acre hemp maze. Um, we grew X59, which was a grain variety, because unfortunately, it's hard, even now, it's still hard to find fiber varieties. But uh, we went with X59. Now, X59 only grows about four to five feet high because you're, you're using, you know, that's a grain variety where you want to get a combine in there and take off the seed heads. Um, there were some plants that, you know, I don't know if they were genetic modifications, but they grew to eight feet high. So there were some areas where there was some really tall standing hemp, but for the most part, it was about head high, which doesn't make a maze, you know, really challenging because you just, you can see where you're going, but yeah. it's still, you know, we had a good response. And then uh, we went ahead and in 2019 grew X59 one more year. And then this year I was able to uh, procure seeds from China, so I have a hand ma variety that grows, excuse me, 10 to 12 feet high. And so our, our maize here is very, very impressive. It's right on the highway. There's, I've got a 10 foot pole with a, you know, a, a, a sign there that says 10 feet and the hemp's above that. So it's, it's really quite impressive. Wow, wow, what day did you plant it? When did it go in the ground? Yeah, so this year we actually, I mean, I, I kind of had this game plan going. So I, I, we, we did light tillage in that area. It was, it was actually where the old pumpkin patch was. Um, so it was an old pasture that I'd been doing pumpkins for the last three years. And so we took, we took that, I guess, yeah, last four years, I guess. So we took that offline and I, we did a light tilling of it. And then we uh, used a seed drill and on May 15th, we put it in the ground. And by July 15th, it was eight feet high. So I opened up the maze and then, you know, it's, it's still doing really well out there. The males are dying off, but yeah, there are males and females out there. Um, some of the flowers are actually turning purple now. And I don't know if that's just the change in the season or the change in the temperature. We had one night that was 36 degrees. So maybe that shocked them a bit, but it, it's, it's quite beautiful out there. And so, how you hope to run the maze, I'm sure, as close to Halloween as you can. Yeah, so, so originally, originally, to be honest with you, we were, we were only going to run the maze through September, and then I was going to okay. harvest it down. Yeah. But here's here's a couple of reasons why I'm leaving it up. For one, COVID hit. Yeah. And guess what happens when you have a haunted attraction in COVID? It doesn't well, they, work very well. All because sorts we of rules, yeah. We have 10,000 square feet of indoor mazes, and those mazes this year, are offline because you cannot go through a maze and especially we have blackout mazes where you can't even see your hand in front of your face and the actor pops out right in front of you and even if you have masks on you're supposed to keep a three foot distance it's not going to happen so what we decided to do is we're i i sat down with my actors and my crew in july said do you guys want to do the the may or do the uh, haunt and they all said yes so we're doing the haunt, but it's an outdoor attraction. It's called the Abandoned Circus. And we've got all these party tents that are going up and it's gonna be circus themed. We're gonna have sideshow and circus you know, characters. But then what we did is we said, you know, this, we're just gonna leave the hemp maze up because now we're gonna have a haunted cannabis maze. Yeah. It's probably the first in the uh, country. I don't know that anyone else <laughs> has had a haunted cannabis maze. 
but uh, that that will stay up now through October, um, and then we will we will end up um, harvesting it. The other reason I'm going to give you a second reason why. Okay. So we took 110 pounds of seed. This is what we planted with this hand mob variety, and there was another because we actually got a pallet load, and there was another individual that. Um, I don't, I have his card somewhere, but I can't remember his name. He actually came out and checked out our field a couple weeks ago, but he, he grew six acres and the NDA went in and I guess he got it tested early, even before it flowered and it came back at 0.7. So he's way over the 0.3. But I don't think they're going to make him destroy it. At this point, what I think the NDA is telling him is that if, if you are only using the stocks, then we'll test and sample the stocks. And if the stocks are below 0.3, there's not going to be an issue. But my, my thing is I did not want them to test it and then tell me that I have to destroy it. And I'd have to destroy it within two weeks and I'd have to shut my maze down. So another reason why to keep it up, I'm going to keep it up, let it go to seed, let it do its thing, let it defoliate. And then I'll have them come test it at the end of October. And if they can find 0.7 in there, I would be highly highly suspect because I don't think they're going to find that. I still think, and I know that's something we can talk about further, but I still think when you're, when you're dealing with fiber crop, you're not using the flowers, you're not using the seeds, you're using the stocks. So they should take the stock, grind it up and test the stock. It's not going to, the cannabinoids live within the flower and within the trichomes. There's no trichomes in the stock. There's no, there's nothing there. That's what they should be doing. And ironically, even if it's not 0.7, but one, it's still nothing of consequence for the, you know, for the smoker that wanted to use it on the getting high side. Well, unless this, you want to, unless you want to smoke rope, John. Well, that's this is this is just so I don't know why I'm blinking there. It's something about Halloween, or I didn't. Yeah. That's not a technical plan here, folks. Um, it's so bizarre that you know that they randomly chose this point three. And we're all fighting that. Now, we, you know, we're on research and development here. So we did seven varieties this year. And they've all either gone high or were crappy. I mean, there's, you know, when you're, when you're into the good yeah. stuff, um, and we, we did it on purpose. We're not raising to get product to sell. We're testing and learning and, and you know, doing all that. So as it goes high, we're just destroying it. But well, uh, the reason being is that all these genetics, they're they're not stable. I mean, they've been right, right. They've been cross pollinated and hybridized in the last five to ten years. So you aren't going to have, even though you can, you want to buy good genetics. Obviously, you want to have feminized seeds, but there's so many people out there doing what they think they're doing. And I hear horror stories: people getting you know non-feminized seeds, or you're getting seeds that you don't know they've crossed it with something. And what generation is that? We don't know. And again, that's why the USDA has decided in their interim rules, their 88-page interim rules, not to have a certified seed program. Because why would they say there's going to be a certified seed program? It's easier for them to go after the grower, which is ridiculous, because if I test over 0.3, I got to destroy the crop. And if it's over 0.5, it'll be negligence on my part. If I get hit with that three times in a three-year period, I lose my license for five years. And I can't even go back to the person that provided the seeds or the clones because they just, there's no certified seed program. Right. Last year, uh, we planted chem cherry. And it was amazing. 25% of it was all autoflower. They all grew to two and a half feet, little beautiful pyramids. 
but it was whatever it was, you know, in the in the cycle of the genetics of the seed, it was a perfect 25%. So you know that it's, you know, that it was the grandfather of that seed was an autoflower that that it was still carrying forward. That seed was nowhere uh, stable in any way, shape, or form. Was it and, was so what was what was 25% the CBD or the THC? No, no, neither. The 25% of the plants autoflowered. Oh, autoflower. 25% yeah. of your plants autoflowered. So ah. you know that as they were hybridizing them, that that two generations ago, one of them was a pure autoflower plant because it yeah. it you know was exactly 25%. So yeah. you know, half of it would have been a parent, so a quarter yeah. of it was the grandparent. And so whatever that seed was just two generations ago that that was a hybrid where it had been you know one of the grandparents was an autoflower and that had in no way been bred carefully or bred to stable any kind of stability at all and all of those autoflowers got pollinated we don't know how we don't know where uh, yep. we had we had the males we had the males out long before they were fertile in yep. our field but well, and, and that's, I mean, people ask me about that too, because we, so I, I've, I'm a, you know, I, we've done grain, we're doing fiber now, and then I've got, I do have a high cannabinoid field. So I've got CBD and CBG. And, and so that's where our maize used to be. So we have three and a half acres of that growing. Oh and and but one of the things that I tell people, we have males all over this farm. I mean, there's, there's a fiber crop. And these males are 10 feet tall, 12 feet tall. And the wind and blows. Yep. Yeah, and they're and all the hemp, all hemp is is wind pollinated. Okay. So wind drift is what pollinates your plants. And I know, and you probably heard this too, if there's a feral hemp within five miles of your field, it will get pollinated. Now I'm gonna go further than that. So we've had wildfires out in California. On the, on the west coast and we've had some cloudy cloudy smoked filled days here in minnesota so the jet stream goes from west to east now we also have hemp fields out in colorado and out in california and washington and oregon and there's and they're growing it for grain and they're probably starting to grow it for fiber so there are males out there and the males they're going to do their thing they're going to drop their pollen and it's fine particulates that can get blown up into the jet stream Whoosh. and it's gonna go all the way across and it's gonna drop right down in Minnesota because we're downwind of that because it's going from the west to the east all summer long. So for people to tell me that, oh, pull all your males, I agree, you don't want a field of males. I mean, what's the point? You're not gonna get the cannabinoids out of it, so there's no point to raise a male. But being worried about pollinating. You know, 90% of the fields out here in Minnesota, 90% of the plants, probably even higher than that, are going to get seeds on them if you let them go. And the only way you're going to stop that in Minnesota is you got to grow indoors with filters. Because that, that's the only way you're going to stop a, a plant from doing what it wants to do. It wants to get pollinated. It wants to continue and it wants to seed so that the next generation continues the genetic. So that's just nature. So I, I, I do think in Minnesota, what's going to happen over probably five, 10 years, most people will stop growing outdoors and or or if they're going to grow outdoors, they're going to grow a green variety and they're going to grow a fiber variety because 
why are you going to do CBD if, unless you've got tons of money and you want to grow indoors, I don't know why you're going to want to do CBD or CBG if it's going to get seeded and, you know, ruin your crop or not, not produce fine smokable product. Um, even when you're doing extraction, if it's all seedy, you're going to get less cannabinoids out of it because the seeds are going to get processed with the bud. So that's just my feeling is the place that Minnesota really needs to go and, and really focus on. And even the Midwest is probably more fiber and grain. Um, Canada, I mean, we got Canada too. I mean, they're just to the north of us. If we get north winds in the summer, which we do, they're growing grain. That's all blowing down here too. Yeah. Yeah. North Dakota, the NDSU people we talked to, a lot of them, and they that's their vision for North Dakota is seeing the industrial, uh, the you know, the tall varieties that they plant like grass. And they see that as being an, a perfect adjunct to soybeans, yep. canola, yep. sunflowers, sugar beets where you can, uh, and the small grains. They just see hemp as becoming you know, one more crop rotation. They love what it does to the soil when it's in the rotation. Uh, of course, it can grow somewhat dry. Um, so they love it in the Western side. And they believe that that hemp will become just another, uh, it'll be another farmer's toolbox. It'll and, be another commodity. I mean, the thing yeah. is, think about it, during 1942 to 1955 with Hemp for Victory. So the USDA actually encouraged farmers to grow hemp during World War II because the Philippine Islands were occupied by the Japanese and that was our source of hemp. And we needed hemp for cordage for all the ships. We needed hemp for all the backpacks, all the webbing, all the belts. This is before DuPont, this is before nylon. And so we had thousands of acres in Minnesota. There were, over, there were seven textile mills in Minnesota. And, and then they came in 45 and they just said, nope, done with the program. They went in, they burned all these fields. And then they basically scrapped all the plants. So there's no textile plants anymore. But at some point, and that's why we have feral hemp. I mean, that is why we have feral hemp in Minnesota. It's left over from 40, 45. And that's the stuff we really should probably be working with genetically. We should be cross-pollinating that with this fiber hemp from, from China. And we should build, be building up that genetics because that genetics has been here for 80 years. And so we know that we know that it grows here winter, yeah. winters, it's strong, it's hardy. And we're yeah. trying to find some, by the way, if you know where there's a plot, we've been talking to the railroad guys, we've been talking to county agents. And yeah. uh, they, well, they, and then they, that's, that's the sad thing with the government is they've tried to eradicate this plant for years. And so it's harder to find. And then you know, at one point before between 42 and 45, guess what? The USDA was keeping seeds. They had all this cannabis, they had it, and then they destroyed it. So now we're, we're all back, you know, looking for seeds. We're looking for seeds. Who knows where those seeds came? They probably came from the Philippines. We don't know where they came from. Sure. But now it's a matter of just like you're saying, going out and finding these old stands. And they are, they are all over. I mean, I hear it all the time. I even, a buddy of mine had a, a friend of his, one of the, a, a hemp plant, maybe it's marijuana, but, <laughs> Hopefully it was just a hemp plant that shot up in one of their, you know, garden plots. So again, birds are flying around, they're pooping the seeds. That's, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, there are stands of it. Um, do I know, I, I actually called out to Facebook to say, Hey, tell me where some, we some of the have two. are. And I want to find a good stand. I want to get it tested, make sure that it's, you know, got low THC because that's the other thing too. You don't want to start playing with a genetic that's not going to do you any good. 
because if it's at you know three percent or two percent it's not going to pass but if we can find that and then either cross pollinate or or just use that genetics that that would be the best thing and the thing is we need to get to those genetics before they do get cross pollinated because obviously now i'm growing a fiber hemp from from china and you've got all the legacy hemp you know x59 out there so if people are growing that that's going to pollinate with that wild hemp and that's going to de degrade the genetics yeah. so we really only have maybe five to ten years to really truly play with those genetics before they get so watered down that they aren't even they aren't even what they were i mean they for over 80 years they've been probably cross-pollinated a bit but most of it's probably still that same strain whatever it was very local very very yeah no a farmer talking to a farmer the other day at the airport and in the back of his pickup he brought me this head and i said you know i thought maybe i found the mother load you know because it was full of seeds and where did you get that where did you get that tell me where you found that and he goes oh i was over by grand forks and there was a whole field of it and i'm going oh Dark. Yeah. I, you know, he's yeah. I, I he said you walked out in a guy's field and you grabbed a yeah. head of it. He said, oh, yeah. yeah, I know him really well. And he said he was not happy. He does not understand the difference between marijuana and hemp. And he yeah. thought that you know this was a bad. I said, dude, there's no THC in this. THC is the part that gets you high. I assure you, this is going to someday make blue jeans and it's going to yeah. make paper and it's going to make uh, housing insulation. And I went down the whole road, but. But yeah, I, for just a moment there, the lights came on and I thought there was some orchestra music in the background and I had found some feral hemp and then oh, yeah, I took it from a guy's field. So we yeah. just for a moment, we thought that we that we had it. Well, you've talked about that you are now raising CBD hemp also. So tell me about that. What's going on with that? Yeah. So what what really kind of pushed us toward that so we were doing the the x59 we did that the first two years and then last year we ended up after the 2018 farm bill was signed into law see prior to that I, I i knew about cbd i did not feel comfortable selling cbd or going down that road because it technically was not federally legal yet and if i started selling cbd and the feds decided to come in to the property and clear everything out and say that, hey, this is everything that I own is, you know, tied in with this drug operation, I would lose everything. So I waited till the 2018 farm bill was signed. And then in spring of 2019, we started selling CBD, not our own CBD, but just, you know, local local um, CBD manufacturers and, and then some from California and out west and then I, you know, I think it was early last summer, like June, May, June, I went and procured three varieties and we started growing those varieties um, indoors and basically building up our genetics. So then we got some mother plants going. So we had some, some plants under 24 hour vegetative light and we started cloning off of that. And then this, so then we built up a lot of clones so that we knew that this year we'd be ready to go out in the field. And then we also procured, procured some more seeds from out west. Uh, we used Oregon CBD. And then we popped in those for the, our field this year. So we have three and a half acres of, of uh, high CBD and then one variety of CBG. We have the white, which is a CBG variety. And that, you know, again, the reason I, I decided to go ahead with that is that since the farm bill states that anything below 0.3 is deemed legal industrial hemp then i said okay i'm good to go 
I'm under the MDA. You know, obviously we've been licensed and permitted with the MDA for now three years. And I felt like, you know, it's a safe move to make. Um, and then we have a store. We started a store last July in our farmhouse. So we have um, a store where we sell CBD, but we also are a processor. So we also have cured flour. We do hemp teas. Um, and then we have our own our own CBD line now. So I still carry local CBD um, brands. So I have Sunny Skies, Priceland Hemp, Southern Soda, and then I have other brands from California, Colorado, Arizona, and New York. But um, really, I'm I'm trying to you know kind of use CBD. I mean, obviously, and I know a lot of people are looking at it. Oh well, you're kind of chasing the money. The CBD is where the money's at now. Um, but hopefully as fiber comes online and as there's processing for fiber, then we'll be able to kind of transition into, into the fiber. The other thing too, since we're growing the CBD and we're learning from that, if and when the state decides to go recreational, and if it's not astronomically expensive to go recreational, we just switch our genetics yeah. and now we've got recreational going. So. So there's kind of these things that we're just we're working with. And, and I'm always, you know, turning the wheels, trying to figure out which way to go. And so and right now we have our maze and then we also are offering our hemp farm tours. So you can get on an eight person golf cart. You can actually go around the whole property. You can go out and you can be really close to our high CBD, high CBG flowers. Um, and we have over 800 plants out in that field. And then we are working with 11 cultivars this year. So. Wow. Nine, we had nine of them test um, last week, and unfortunately, one one variety was hot. But luckily, we only had eleven of those plants, so that that is going to be one that we're going to destroy. But the rest of our um, crop is all good. So, so this is an older picture here. This is your barn. Yep, and that's the pumpkin patch. And that was the pumpkin patch that you talked about. But now this is a newer picture here. And yeah, there's, there's there's the hemp maze. Yeah, and then that was probably taken in July. So you can see that it, there's really, it's all emerald green and there's really no, none of the plants are presenting their, their sex yet. That the, the males started to pop, probably they started to show themselves, I would say beginning of August. And then the females were quite late. I mean, you could kind of tell if you were looking close enough, you could tell they were females, but the females really didn't start to present their flowers until mid-August. Wow. So it, it was quite amazing because I was even thinking about that last night that, you know, these plants now have been growing for 120 days and they're still growing. So My again, goodness. you got to think goodness. about it. You're getting seeds from China and the hand ma is a good, actually the hand ma is a really good variety because um, in this latitude, it's pretty much the same latitude of the hand ma district in, in China. Uh -huh. um, but you are probably looking at I would say at least 90 days until you're maybe at the top of the height. But again, maturity, uh, gosh, it's probably a, more close to 100, 100 days to 100. I, I wouldn't say 120 because we're at 120 now, but I would say it's about 100, 100 days to maturity. And then, you know, right now, if you went out there and look at those seed heads, there is seeds on the females, but they're, they're still, they're, they're not hardened off yet. So I, I don't know how many of those would actually be viable yet. So even if we were to harvest, you know, in a week and a half here, if you were trying to harvest for seeds as well, I think you'd have to wait later. So again, this is a crop that you got to get in early. And 
you got to probably pull it out pretty late, you know, end of September, beginning of October. And, you know, for us, just being this 350 miles farther north, you know, we've already had a hard couple of days of frost here. Oh, yeah. And, and May 15th is really pushing it as yep. far as putting it in the ground in the spring. So this yep. looks like it's a crop that's almost outside of our average year growing season for us. So. Yeah, and that's probably again, again, another reason why, um, you know, looking at looking for that feral hemp and trying to get that genetics going because that that that's what we got to do is we got to find something that's going to work in Minnesota. Absolutely, absolutely. I always think of it as Minnesota green. I don't know why, but even when I was twenty years old, I named it Minnesota green. So we got to go. We've got to go find some of that. Yep. So, so then how, how are you processing your CBD when you harvest it? Are you, you're drying it or are you physically, are you air drying it or are you putting it in a machine in some way? Yeah. So, um, CBD obviously is a little bit different than our fiber crop, but the CBD, what we're planning with that is we have a, uh, uh, what is it? 40 by 90 foot. So 3,600 square foot Quonset hut. So we are going to hang dry all of that. Um, and that's one thing, you know, I always tell people because we have people that come out here that want to get into it and want to grow. And I say only grow as much as you can dry. Absolutely. So absolutely. <laughs> can't dry it. There's no purpose in growing it, especially right. when you're looking at the CBD uh, side of things. So majority, we're hoping the majority of our flour um, will be good enough to use for our premium buds for for smokable and then also for um our teas because we got tea blends that we're working on now what's tea blend let's explain that for our listeners yeah so we've got so we have hemp tea so basically what we do is we take uh all the sugar leaves off of our so when we trim our our buds all those sugar leaves we take those and since the sugar leaves have a high amount of trichomes on it and still have cbd present and cannabinoids present we take those and we we basically we blend them in with with different herbs. So we've got you know mint, we've got um, lavender, um, chamomile, that kind of stuff. So what we're basically doing is blending those and just making tea bags, um, and then selling them, bringing them to market, and selling them as you know as tea. So that's oh, that's kind of right now with that. And then obviously there's a smokable side of it, and then. If we've got stuff that's not of high quality for smokable or tea, then that will go into extraction. And we do have a processing license um, to process on site. So we may do some of that small extraction, but to do large extraction, I don't have lab equipment for that. And since I'm set up as agritourism, the insurance company, and this is important for anyone that's thinking about, oh, I'm gonna get fully integrated. I'm gonna go ahead and grow it. I'm gonna process it. I'm gonna manufacture it and sell it just understand if you're going to grow you're going to have to set up separate entities because we we are an ag farm we're agritourism but my insurance farm bureau they're great they're wonderful but they really aren't into the processing so if i start to do full-on processing large extractions and i'm putting it into tinctures and topicals and what have you then really i need to set up a separate llc and that needs to be a separate entity. Now I could have that all on the same farm, but it's gotta be a separate business. They don't wanna insure that under the agritourism. Interesting, so okay. For me, it doesn't really, I guess my thing is I'm a, I'm a grower and I'm an agritourism guy. So 
for me to actually set up a lab, set up a whole separate business and run with it does not make too much sense to me when I can drive my material a half hour away and I've got friends that are processing and I can bring it to their lab and they can process it and get the job done. I'd rather just pay them and then take my product, take my crude or take my distillate and do what I want to do with it. Because once I have the distillate, then I can you know, choose to do what I want to do. Of course. With. Of course. Absolutely. And then and they, they're doing it every day or most every day. So they've got a handle on it rather than one more thing to learn. Right. One more yep. thing. One more thing to. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, you've got the staff involved. I mean, if you're going to run a lab, it's not like I can just switch on a lab and do it myself. I mean, I'm right. I've got one guy out here that helps me grow and it's myself. So in order for me to set up a whole lab and go with it, I don't want the headache. Well, I'm with you there. You know, we've, we, we have uh, on purpose as we're learning, you know, we have uh, tried to do uh, every kind of uh, extraction. We've done ethanol. Uh, we've done, we actually have a little washing machine where you're washing it out. And, bubble uh, hash. Bubble bubble hash. And, and some bubble hash. <laughs> well, I, we've got some in our freezer and it's quite, okay. inter it's quite interesting. Uh, we've got several. John, 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 is that bubble hash above 0.3? Well, we've never, we've never, we only just now got the tester where we can yeah. put that in the tester to test that. So it has never left the, you know, the, the room that it was made in. Yeah. So the only uh, thing, the reason I said that real quick is that, and I, I know you're probably aware of this, but the DEA is becoming quite a pain in the behind. Um, they, they, I don't know if they will, but they are basically saying that they can, they have the right to raid any of these labs because at some point during your processing, you're it's always going to it's always yeah. going to concentrate. Yeah, it's concentrate. So you're usually it's tenfold. So if you have a flower that tests at 0.3, when you either rosin press it, you do a bubble hash, you do ethanol extraction, you do CO2, you do butane, you do ethanol. Guess what happens? Goes from 0.3 to 3.0. Technically, what is that? That's marijuana, even though it's probably real low. It's yeah, still yeah, that's yeah. What they're trying to say is it's marijuana. So again, this is another thing I, I like to talk about it because I want I want people to understand that, that they need to go to their legislators and they need to say, hey, this is industrial hemp. This is industrial hemp derived. When it gets on the shelf, we're not going to sell it if it's above 0.3. But at some point in the process, yeah, it's going to be concentrate. And until you reconstitute it into a tincture, into a topical, into a gummy, it's going to be high, but once you reconstitute it in, you still got to, I mean, that's, you know, that it's further testing. So you got to test your final product before you give it to the consumer. And if it's below 0.3, it's back to industrial hemp. And conceptually, it's going to be way below 0.3 because, you know, the average dose, there's a lot of talk about what's a, what should be a typical dose. And yep. that's, that's a fraction of a fraction of 0.3. So. Correct. So, you know, um, except in smokable, of course, I guess in a smokable, that would be sort of right at that line if they were buying a actual smokable bud of product. But other than that, when it's in tinctures, when it's in uh, lotions, when it's in any other kind of product, it's cut and then it's cut and then it's cut. So, no, that's right. We've been very fortunate here. We have a great working relationship with the guys that are in the the the, the Pine to Prairie, it's called the Drug Enforcement Task Force. We've had them out here. We show them exactly what we're doing. Uh, we've gone through, uh, you know, all of our steps with them. 
they know the door is open to them anytime uh, because we it's all about education. You know, it's all about trying to make everybody really smart um, so that uh, there's no wacky situation that happens because somebody, uh, you know, you remember what happened in South Dakota here last, was it last winter? Yeah. Even, you know, Chris, where they stop people along the way. Yeah, the guy stopped a truck and he yeah. thought he had the biggest bust ever. Oh yeah. But the, but the irony for the for the people that own the product in there that was perfectly legal. Well, 2018 Farm Bill, interstate commerce is completely legal as long as it's below 0.3. Um, so again, it's one of those things where you know you you have to educate and inform your legislators because that's what I, that's why we're in this business, to be honest with you. I mean, when we started Hemp Maze Minnesota. It's to educate and inform, and that's what we do. Even when they come into our store, we educate and inform. The yep. whole purpose of the farm tour this year is we educate and inform. And I'm, I'm educating you know, the lay public, I'm educating the farmer, I'm educating even kids, students, family. Yep. So it, it is about educating, and the more education that people receive, the less they are worried about this plant, the less that they, they have these preconceived notions I mean, we, we all, most of us grew up where drugs were bad. We had dare and we had all this, you know, stuff that was pushed upon us. And the fear mongering started with the marijuana tax of 1937. And it's just existed and, and, and gone on for way too long. And it's, it's time for an, a, a wake up of everybody to realize that this plant has thousands of uses. It's connected to us because the civilization, we were growing this thousands of years ago. And we have receptors in the body. There's an endocannabinoid system yeah. with receptors. Why? Why would we have receptors in our body if we weren't meant to use this? And so that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, right. you need to educate yourself. Do your education. Form your own conclusions. Don't let somebody else tell you that it's bad or it's wrong or that we can't, you know, use industrial hemp because it could it could really save the planet if we were using it as we should. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think we should leave it right there. I think that's a statement that covered everything. Let's take a couple of minutes. So tell our listeners where, when, and yep. uh, you know what they can enjoy uh, yeah. down there at the Willow at the at Willow the Willow Keep yeah. Farm. Yeah. So Willow's Keep Farm is located at four seven three eight five Highway fifty two Boulevard. That's just south of Zimbrota, Minnesota. So we're we're about forty five minutes from St. Paul, and then we're north of Rochester, about fifteen minutes. We're right on fifty two. You can't miss us. I mean, if you do, I don't know. You probably were asleep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we have our our hemp maze runs now through October thirty first. We're open seven days a week. During the week, it's 11 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., Saturday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sunday, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Now, not only do we have the hemp maze, but we have a gourd walk. So I have a, a trellised um, gourd walk that you walk through, and there's, there's all these different varieties of gourds that are hanging over your head. So there's hundreds of, hundreds of gourds hanging in that gourd walk. There's also, we don't play cor cornhole on this farm. We have a hemp pole game. So we play hemp <laughs> And then we also have gourd slings. So we have a target range with uh, gourd slings where you shoot gourds at um, pumpkins and zombies and tombstones. <laughs> and then come October 9th is when we turn on Fright at the Farm. So Fright at the Farm will be running this year on Friday, Saturday nights from 7 to 11 p.m. starting October 9th through October 31st. 
And that is a scare of all scares. Um, it is teen to adults. And this year it's an all outdoor um, event. We will have, we will have our, our actors masked. And we ask that if you're coming to the farm, please wear a mask. And then we will be doing an abandoned circus theme. So we're going to have circus characters and sideshow characters all throughout the farm. So join us for a great fun filled fall. You know, the weather's great this week and we're just going to keep running with it. Um, it's beautiful out here. The maze is beautiful. It's over 10 feet high. You can walk in there and just enjoy it, smell it. It's, it's wonderful. It's a great experience for you and your family and even your pets. You can bring your pets out on a leash. Enjoy it. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Ted's email has come across um, uh, on Facebook. Uh, there's, a, there's a quick way to get there. And I don't what's the quick way on Facebook? Well, if you want to check us out on Facebook, just go to Hemp Maze, Minnesota. We'll Hemp pop Minnesota. up. And then we also have Willows, Willows Keep Farm. And then you can also check us out at HempMazeMN.com. HempMazeMN.com. There it is. HempMazeMN.com. Uh, Ted, thank you for uh, joining us today. And we got to stay in touch. Uh, we're going to uh, just see what's going on down there. And uh, uh, we got to exchange some seeds and see how some of your seeds grow up here in the Northern Valley. And uh, just see uh, just see how things, how things go. And... Uh, Boy, I'm sure the pumpkin patch is going to be busy now as people are getting ready for Halloween. You know what? We don't John, we're no longer doing pumpkin. No doing the, the pumpkin patch is completely gone. Okay. I grew I grew some pumpkins out of, out of my house, so I've got 30 pumpkins on the deck and when they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> they're we're gone. not doing pumpkins. I told my wife last night, I don't even know if I'm going to do pumpkins at the house. It's not worth it. <laughs> okay. Why do that? We got hemp. We got hemp. That's right. We got Why hemp. Do that? <laughs> I don't need to grow anything else. No hemp. No just hemp. Just hemp's good for me. Alrighty, I'm loving it. Thank you for being on our show today. We appreciate everybody who watches. Um, it's just a wonderful day. Join us again tomorrow for another edition. It's Have You Heard, of course, tomorrow, our short version of the show. And the week is going by so fast. Get out and enjoy these wonderful days of fall. Everybody have a great time. And we will see you again real soon here on Chat Canada.